All right, Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together this Thanksgiving weekend as a church community, as family, as friends, to be inspired by your story through Scripture. As we start our Advent celebration um, this Sunday, we just ask that each of us be renewed in the hope of seeing more of you in our lives, around us, your kingdom come, your will be done here in our communities, in our towns, in our workplaces, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, yeah, it really isn't the start of Advent, but we are taking the 24th off from Bloom because the janitors don't want to come in, and that makes sense to me, too. Like, it would probably be even a smaller crowd in town than this, and you guys would make me get up and do it, and I didn't really want to be there, and so then would it really be that good? And so then I'm like, do we just have three weeks of Advent? I'm like, hell no, we'll just add another week. We'll just start a week early. So this is, I'm going to start talking Adventy uh, on this Sunday instead. Um, with that as well, there is the Advent uh, reading worksheet at the back. I should have left one up here so I could look at it. It's in the back of every voice translation Bible. So if you have one, it's already with you. If you don't have a voice translation yet, there's two still at the back. They're free to pick up. The translation we usually use as a community, um, just because I like the wrestle involved in the writing of it. It wasn't just theologians, it was authors and poets and uh, people trying to keep the story attached with the translation, and so it's pretty good stuff. Um, and it's a way to just kind of tap into the season and follow along with people, at least voice readers everywhere around the world that are reading these same verses and thinking about these thoughts as we're building anticipation for the holidays. But, you know, Amy and Mia are fantastic at celebrating and decorating and being in whatever season we're in. Like Halloween, the entrance had like cobwebs everywhere and there were feathers and bird wings and things that made it festive. And Thanksgiving had pumpkins, and I don't know. It was, it was Halloweeny. But every season seems to have this decoration. And Christmas, we will be, you know, going to get a little tree and decorating it. And but it's not just that. It's even the there's tradition around it, and there's we're watching films or old episodes of Friends when they had Thanksgivings, or uh, obviously Bob's Burgers for Christmas and Thanksgiving because those are fantastic. Uh, but we're playing music that lines up, we're talking that way more, we're slowing down, we're eating meals that seem to line up with whatever is going on. It really is uh, something to look forward to and it builds this anticipation. And that's really what Advent season is, is this, 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 this season of celebration where we build anticipation for seeing more of not just the kingdom of heaven, but the life of Jesus being reflected in our own lives and and so we, we've, there's this togetherness and this celebration and this building of expectation, anticipation, rekindling hope inside that's supposed to fuel the rest of the year that gives us a chance to do it. There's two major holidays kind of in the life of Christianity. And yes, this one is a stolen one, but we'll use it anyway. Um, I saw a fantastic video online about the origins of Christmas. And uh, like, but... It's a, it's a pause in our life to say, hey, this one's a pause of celebration. Um, Easter time 
that Lenten season is the, a pause of, of, of mourning, but also capturing the pain and suffering of our brothers and sisters. And so we've got these two momentous occasions that kind of flip emotions uh, that are needed to just take us out of everyday life and cause us to think differently. And so it's just as we're decorating the house or the tree or whatever to just put us in a different mood or expectation, our spiritual life is the same way. Is there, is there a flip? Is there a re-reminder, a rekindling? Is something that we do, especially together, that causes us to get the energy we need to start the year off right, whatever. And so I don't know if you can, uh, what kind of, if holiday season's good, bad for you, if you're coming out of Thanksgiving with amazing memories from friends or trouble with family, but uh, there's, there's a lot going on as we're entering into this. And I wanted to look at expectations and hope uh, and even the story through the Gospel of Luke because he starts it in a certain way that really I think is important for us to think about as we're going into this, as we're wrestling with how to celebrate, if we should be celebrating. Ken's probably figuring out what, why, what's the whole deal behind Christmas anyway and why we're doing things. There's so much going on that we, we really should think about what does one of the, these writers tell us? I want to start at the beginning of Luke. It's amazing. The very first sentence of his gospel, he's like, you know what? I know there's other accounts of the life of Jesus. I know people have already written this stuff down. But he's like, I think it's important that I tell my version, that I write my account, that I share what was going on in my mind or the things that I saw. I know that there's others out there, but, but here's my story. Here's my perspective. Here's the way I was looking at things. And I've always thought this was always an inspiring even line, because even as a community that's deciding to look a little different than possibly the typical American church and how we do things, like it's, it doesn't mean that God isn't in these different expressions, that it, that it looks different for a reason, that we're doing it our way because we felt it necessary that someone do it differently, that someone have this flavor. And so we find our even origins to this community in this, this opening line of, I felt it necessary to tell my version of the story, to share it my way. But the way he opens is really wild. Luke uses three different examples right away at the beginning of this book. First he says, this is my account. I know other people have written it. And then he gives three examples of what people thought the Messiah would look like when they came. Uh, and, and why is this important? Why does he start by sharing Mary, uh, actually even four, Mary, Zechariah, Simeon, John the Baptist. They, they kind of tell their accounts of like, ooh, I'm waiting for this divine Messiah, and this is what I'm expecting. And so he gives these different expectations, these different descriptions, these different hopes, these different, they are penned and they're clinging to something, yet they're all a little bit different in what they were hoping for or looking for when it came to Jesus. And it really helps us to realize that most Jews envisioned a different kind of Messiah than the Jesus that showed up. And I wonder still today, with our own expectations, with our own whatever celebrations, are we trying to put Jesus in a box? Are we caging him in on our own expectations? Or is part of this season, part of this Advent and this expectation, this hope of seeing more Jesus is really, it's, he's always going to show up more, but it's in surprising ways. It could be even in completely opposite ways than we thought. And this is kind of how Luke enters into this, being like, we're all expecting or looking for one thing and God seems to come even better but completely different than what we were looking for. 
I want to look at Isaiah 9. Uh, oh, I had a screen on that one. Um, Isaiah 9, he says, His name, his name we'll know in many ways is prophesying about Jesus. He will be called mighty, or be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, dear Father everlasting, ever present, never failing, master of wholeness, prince of peace. His leadership will bring about such prosperity as you and I have never seen before. And it defines what it's talking about as this prosperity, this sustainable peace for all time. This prince of peace, this divine Messiah is going to usher in a prosperity that looks like sustainable peace for all time. As we're looking for him more in our lives, as we're looking for hope, as we're looking to see more of these things, it's going to be being reflections of Jesus that cause more peace for all, for all time. It's entering into that, that divine song that's being sung, that something greater is going on that we're entering into. I love that the star shows up for shepherds in the field. Guys, and the, the angel shows up and tells this lowly crew that stinks, that isn't really liked in town, that is kind of like the, yeah, then there's, I don't know what they would be, the toilet cleaners of society, kind of, uh, maybe not even that bad, but somewhere along that rung, it's announced hope and liberation, and they drop everything and come looking. That was the kind of hope they needed. There was something stirring that said, man, something in this is for me. It's not just for the elite, the 1%, the whatever. There's hope for even those looked down upon. And so Isaiah gives us this expectation of something to look forward to, this hope. If you look at a major commentary on the, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 10 is interpreted as this prophecy of the coming Messiah, this branch of David who's going to destroy Israel's enemies. And so even one of the prophets thinks in Isaiah, in one chapter he's, he's prophesying that this prince of peace that will bring a prosperity that's sustainable peace for all. And in the next chapter, he talks more, but a commentator will read that and be like, well, he must be coming to destroy the kingdoms and the rulers and the, those who are oppressing everyone. That must be, it must be a military thing because that's all they knew of hope was in some kind of military takeover. And if we look at Isaiah 10.33, this, this verse that's translated as, maybe he's coming to take care of it, it says, but wait, look, the Lord, the Eternal, the commander of the heavenly armies, and I get it says commander of armies, I see where they're coming from here, will protect you. He will wield an axe and cut down the bushy undergrowth of the forest. Even the cedars of Lebanon will fall before the mighty ones blow. But on this humble ground, a tiny shoot, hopeful and promising, will sprout from Jesse's stump. A branch will emerge from his roots to bear fruit. And on this child from David's line, the spirit of the eternal one will alight and rest. By the spirit of wisdom and discernment, he will shine like the dew. By the spirit of counsel and strength, he will judge fairly and act courageously. By the spirit of knowledge and reverence of the eternal one, he will take pleasure in honoring the eternal. He will determine fairness and equity. He will consider more than what meets the eye and weigh in more than what's told. And so it starts giving this description of someone who's bigger than our anticipations, more than what meets the eye, more than what we're anticipating. Someone that's judging fairly and rightly and bringing justice to all people groups, not just the ones who are expecting right, but something bigger than even our own anticipations. And we still have major commentators going, yeah, he's bringing an army. And you're like, well, 
It's something more than what we were anticipating and what we were hoping and what we were thinking was going on. I think there's even more to this. Yeah, hold on a second. So that even those who can't afford a good defense will nevertheless get a fair and equitable judgment. With a just word, he will end wickedness and abolish oppression. With nothing more than the breath of his mouth, he will destroy evil. He will clothe himself with righteousness and truth. The impulse to right wrongs will be in his blood. The impulse to right wrongs will be in his DNA, will be everything he's about. We've been created in this image. We've been infused with the spirit of this creator. Those who gives defense to those that can't afford a good defense. The shepherds in the field, if you're looking at our own country, maybe the foreigners, the sojourners, those who are in our land, but, but no one is there to defend him. He says our DNA is made up of this Prince of Peace. This is the hope that we stir, that we anticipate more. If we want to see more of this kind of peace all around us, Jesus, his willingness to suffer and die stands so much in contrast to this expectation of the Messiah that would just slay his enemies. Instead, he dies for all enemies. He lays down himself for everyone. When we looked at this, this life and how Jesus taught a couple months ago and this, this premise of the divine loving his enemies and even overflowing with love, if they, if they were angry with him or whatever, he would even shower more love and blessings and peace upon him. This is so different than the one we think sometimes just come in and like take care of any of my troubles and just, just wash them away so that I'm okay. It's such a bigger vantage point so that all are okay. Every single person. And this willingness to suffer and even give himself for all. This is the premise of this hope that we're talking about. This is the message that this, this baby we sing songs about, this time of year that we've decided to hijack and and say we're celebrating as a celebration of Advent. This is the hope we're talking about. It's not just more presents for me or to make sure my car is working good or that my boss isn't annoying this next week. It's a hope for all people. And in seeing myself in that and seeing myself as being a reflection of that. And so seeing more of the divine is going to be seeing more of the divine reflected in me. I'm going to be this vessel. I'm going to be this peace. Peace will be in my words. Justice will be in my actions. This is the coming hope. This is what we want to expect more of and see more of. And when you do this kind of stuff, when you look for this more, when you're actually anticipating it more, you start to see it. It starts to show up. You start to get these little ideas of, oh man, who's loving this person right now? I think I should, I think they need a hug. I think they need a card. I think they need someone to buy them a lunch to take care of them. All of a sudden, we become the vessel of hope that we were looking for. The fact that he didn't overthrow the Roman occupiers to reclaim Israel as some throne maybe explains why he was so rejected by so many Jewish authorities and people at the time that were looking to recapture some kind of visible lording over people. We're in charge. We're right. I'm on top, and I want people to see that I'm on top. And so I wonder, whatever expectations we have for the season or in the divine, is it so you look like you're on top? Is it for some kind of pat on the back? Or is this peace and this bringer of peace, is it something so much better than that? I was reading this morning in, um, uh, 
I'm trying to think of the name. I was reading it in the book this morning, and he was just talking about how flattery is so the wrong thing to look for. It's like, are, is your life any better after you received it? Have you changed one bit when someone gave you that pat on the back when society said, look at this person? Or were you the same? Did it, did it, but you spent time looking for it, or maybe you did. But if you just didn't care about that and just knew who you were and knew the possibilities of reflecting Jesus, maybe there would be something so much more deeper, so much more fulfilling, so much more Christmas Advent spirit going on. These Jewish leaders wished for Jesus to pursue this violent military goals and he came instead to offer mercy and forgiveness and peace for all, loving neighbors and enemies, foreigners in the land, people that we thought were backwards. He just messed stuff up where everyone was like, the, the record was scratching. Nails on the chalkboard, like what? Break every skidding rubber, like hold on, this is not the dude, like send him back to God. This is not what we asked for. What's going on? Push that baby back in. Like, we're not looking for that. Yet if they just would take it for what it's worth, is it so much better? Is there something more? And if we tap into that kind of hope, what, what kind of energy could that give us for this next year? In a season that seems to be, I've heard so many stories of family trouble right now. And, and whether it's not even just trouble or people getting sick or people getting fired or just depressed by what's going on around him in the world, like a, a, a visceral hope that we can feel in our veins, that we can reflect in our actions, that we actually see the substance of what's happening from it. What if celebrating Christmas wasn't just about us getting our way and our guy getting his name on the top of the tree, but what if it was our actions were physically producing what this season was supposed to produce? And instead of who wins the celebration, it was a reflection of something so much bigger than that. For Jesus' fulfillment of these messianic expectations, we got to remember that he came to die, to suffer, to give his life, to take the place on behalf of sinners, people who were messing up, who missed it, people who looked different than one another. And it was for everybody. And there was seriously a missed expectation that was going on. We talked a little bit about missed expectations last week and a whole bunch of other stuff, desire and the way the mind starts to stir up and look for something and what it does to us. But this is a different. This is making sure that we are producing hope and we are producing expectations, but they're, they're on something bigger. It's like holding hope with our hands open instead of holding hope like this. My hope must look like this pen. And if it doesn't, be like, I asked you to show up like this and you came as a cup of water for someone who was thirsty. Like I wasn't looking for that. And it, maybe it was something better, but we, our grasp was so tight on this one thing if God looks like this, if he shows up this season like this, if I finally get that darn car working or whatever this expectation is, when this happens, I will be, everything's going to be amazing. Uh, my birthday was yesterday. I forgot to buy my lottery ticket. I buy a lottery ticket on my birthday every year because if you win the lottery, it's just all of life's trouble go away, right? Those people don't crash and burn ever. You look at them two years later and their life is amazing. Like, cause it's, it's all, if this happens, then everything's going to be okay. In this season of hope and waiting for God to show up, we've got Luke telling this story. 
And he starts it by saying, I had to tell my version. I know there's people out there sharing the life of Jesus stories, and it's, it's, they're good. But I just gotta, I gotta share my flavor. And then in his flavor, he starts showing us the expectations of others. And there was so much good in these expectations. And then there's a little bit of like, yeah, but it's different than everyone else's. And it's maybe a little bit off. And you can tell the desperation in their stories. And then he tells us another story. We flip to the end of Luke. So he starts with these missed expectations and brings in this usher of peace and something more beautiful. And then we get to the end right before the Great Commission is given, right before Jesus gives us something else. And it says that uh, we start to see doubt show up in the picture and it being okay. Jesus takes the disciples and Mary and Martha and a handful of other people. They all show up on this mountaintop to meet Jesus after he's died and after he's back again. He shows up. The freaking dude was murdered and somehow is back and like, okay, I want to see this guy. And they show up to see Jesus again, the guy they saw murdered before their eyes. He's on a mountaintop and the scriptures tell us some believed and some doubted. And Jesus is like, all right. And he gives the great commission. All of you guys, I'm sending you out to be my hands and feet. And he doesn't skip a beat at this, like, a chunk of this group is like, nah, I don't think this is Jesus. Like, I know he's right in front of me and I know it's I'm dying, but someone's got a projector somewhere or... Uh... And it's not just there. Luke includes John the Baptist's doubts, which I've never seen in the scriptures till right now. Uh, I've never paid attention to when this happened because John the Baptist is like Jesus' cousin. And he is like telling the story from the beginning of this, like, hey, y'all, this guy's coming. He's amazing. I'm not even going to tie his shoestrings because he's that bad, bad, cool. Um, He's like, you might think I'm doing great things, but the one who follows me, the one I'm talking about, he's going to do so much better than this. He's just shouting the story, hey, pay attention. This guy is where it's at the whole time. He's eating bugs in the woods with honey saying, don't pay attention to me because someone's better than this and his story's better than this. And then all of a sudden, he sees the way Jesus is acting. And he sees, again, maybe not a conquering king as he thought. And he sees him loving people differently than he thought. Because if you read about John the Baptist, he's a little bit like, turn from your sin. There's a, there's a little bit of turn and burn kind of message. A little bit. He's good. He loves Jesus. He's pushing it up. But then all of a sudden, it hits the brakes. and be like, this guy is not quite who I thought he was. He looks a little different. And so he sends in Luke 18, or 7, 18 through 20, John sends two of his disciples, I think I actually have this in here, says two of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the promised one, or should we start looking for someone else? It's like this whole time I've been trumpeting you, I've had this whole story, people have been following me, I've been baptizing, I baptized you, I saw an angel descend in the form of a dove and rest inside of you, I saw this, but your actions are not what I was anticipating and what I was expecting, so now I'm like, are you really the one? Or should we start looking for somebody else? After all the crap that John the Baptist saw, said, and did, he gets this moment of like, wait a minute, this is not what I thought you were going to look like. And he needs this like reframing of, yes, even though you anticipated something different, even though you expected me to look completely different than this, I'm still that one. I'm still the one ushering hope in this season. Even though it doesn't look like you thought it would or that one thing you said needed to happen for you to rest didn't happen, I'm still in charge. Hope is still building. We're still repairing, rebuilding, 
healing this world around us, even if it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, it's happening. So John the Baptist has his moment of doubt. Elijah has this moment of despair, or days of despair, 40, where he, this prophet of God who sees a ton goes into this great depression because God does not look like what he thought he would look like. He ends up like pouting in a cave and God shows up one day and is like, all right, why don't you come to the top of the mountain and I'm just going to show up and I'll be there for you. And he's like, ooh, finally. If we're all human, we can be honest that we've prayed at some point. Can you just show yourself to me somehow? Can I just see something, hear something so it just becomes a little bit more legit? And this is Elijah's moment. Like, ooh, I'm going to find the divine. I'm going to the top of the mountain. He saunters up there and he expects something big. And this is where like, God shows up in the earth, or there's an earthquake and he's like, ooh, God's shaking the mountain, but there's no God in this earthquake. And there's this fire and there's this windstorm and there's no God in any of it. He's like expecting this big, amazing, kabam, God's going to show up with a drop the mic situation and everyone will know. And there's this still small voice that whispers to him. And he continues his depression for a while longer until I think an angel wakes him up out of his sleep and like hits him with a rock and like wake up and has like a meal waiting for him and a little something else. And it's like, come on, snap out of your depression here. Just because God didn't look like what you want him to look like does not mean that he didn't show up, he isn't here, and he isn't using you. And so in a season of building hope in restless times, God's okay with the doubt. He's okay with the story looking a little different. He's okay with you being like, ah, shoot. I was hoping there was something else, but part of our celebrating is reorienting ourselves back to that truth of we need to build hope. We need to stir it up. We need to be that hope, but we need to do it with open hands, with open expectations of being like, I just know he's going to show up. I know it probably is going to look completely different than what I was hoping for, but it is going to be better, and it will bring apart a piece that isn't just about me and my little world and my crap figuring out or myself getting to say, see, I'm right, but it's better, it's bigger, and it will propel us into the next year. I really like that we have seasons in our spiritual calendar that, that come like kind of when we need it. In wintertime, the sun's not showing up anymore, we're kind of like, what's going on? And we need this season of like, let's, let's stir ourselves up to get enough to get through this. There's this Christian guy I ran across who needed direction. He's in this desperate place in his life. He needs God to show up. And so he decides to go to fly to the Middle East to climb this Mount Sinai to meet God on top of the mountain. And he does this whole journey and he gets up there and just God doesn't show up. There's nothing. There's not even a still small voice. Just like, and on his way, like walking down, he gets like bit by a snake even or something, like walking down the mountain on his like depressed, like God didn't show up. And then ends up going home and someone telling him the story like Elijah did the same stupid thing. Like he climbed the mountain thinking God was going to show up this way and it wasn't what he was hoping for. God looked completely different. Something else happened. And so as we're entering in a season of, I just broke my chair, um, a season of hope. There we go. Uh, I don't think we should hide behind. Doubt can be a part of this. Missed expectation has been part of the story since day one. Our heroes have been like, wait, what? Is this really what it's going to look like? And so when that shows up, don't get dismissed or ticked or too sad, but let it be that little gentle reminder of, oh, here I was again putting God in a box. I wanted him to look this way. I wanted him to look that way. 
He doesn't show up just like we think, but he does show up. And so what's that thing that you might be climbing the mountain for? Like, where is the, like, God needs to show up this way? I'm really hoping this Christmas, or this, it's not even this season. There's something we've been hoping for. We're just in the season of looking for hope, it's going to show up. What's that one thing? You're like, when this happens, I'll be happy. When this happens, everything will be all right. If God could show up this way, man, I would, this would be great. And maybe Sunday number one of Advent is just a check in those expectations. And maybe more like, maybe we don't want him to show up that way. Maybe we just want to be aware of where he does show up and what's going on. So what are you looking for? I think the first thing then going into today is identifying if we have any expectations and maybe trying to let go of them. Like, what if I just let go? What if it's okay if this doesn't happen? If it doesn't look this way? If it ends up being the complete opposite of this? If this never happens? Maybe it's this next year in life. Maybe this year was way different than you thought. Crappy. You thought you'd have a job by now. You thought uh, life would look different. And so maybe now we're entering a season of we've got one month before we hop into 2018, revved and jazzed, and maybe it's, it's re-looking at those expectations. What will next year be like? Maybe we just give up on this year, but, but next year's going to be epic. And maybe it will be, but let's not have those little bylines, it'll be epic if this happens, or if it goes this way, or if my loved one or spouse finally starts doing this the thing I've asked them to do a million times. I've been with them for so long and I'm surprised that this isn't their personality by now. Like I can will them into changing. Like maybe they could look like this. I don't know. But maybe a part of the freedom that comes in Jesus and this hope that we're ushering into is that ability to identify and let go of expectations so much faster. Well, that's something the Holy Spirit's whispering. is like you're doing it again. You're grabbing on to those stories and those what-ifs, and if God shows up this way, it's going to happen. And I, to be honest, I don't remember in, there is way too many stories in the Bible. To be honest, they should have made a smaller book. Like, we could have got the same gist from a smaller story, but there's a ton. And I don't remember in any of these tons where someone was like, God's going to come this way, and then he did. Except maybe actually Elijah, the one who's gets depressed about God, he had that one moment where he's like, my God's bigger than your God, he's going to have a fire. And then it, it happened, you're like, you shouldn't have said that. So there's one, there's one story I can think of in all of it, and that guy still thinks God's going to show up a different way a few chapters later and gets depressed and lives in the wilderness for 40 days on just a temp- like a pity party for himself. So even that guy who actually had God show up exactly how he wanted once still had missed expectations. So it's going to happen. And maybe that freedom and that hope we're tapping into is being able to be like, yeah, but it's not this. We're not going to be the people that says it has to look this way or I have to have this. We're going to be that people that, that, that reflects something bigger than that, that maybe it's bigger, maybe it's better, maybe it encompasses more people, maybe it's not just about me. Maybe there's a hope that will spring up when it finally is your eyes are getting off yourself. That whole, like, Jesus came to take care of you so you don't have to worry about you. Maybe you can just rest and relax and be like, Jesus has got me. But it looks like Amy needs a hug right now. Oh, Jesus is in heaven. His spirit's in me. Maybe I'm the one who's supposed to give her a hug right now. Or maybe Nikki needs a high five or Miss Valerie needs breakfast and just to share what's going on. 
Maybe we start seeing ourselves as the answer to this. Um, so much of expectations, like looking for it to be a certain way, causes us to not live in the moment. And I think so much of Advent is this like, getting into this season of hope, like experiencing it, like letting it fuel our lives, like to, to celebrate together, to to have this season of filling so that we can be used again later, that this isn't just an expense of yourself and pour yourself up, but there's a part of this that's a filling of you and the filling of the hope. And so it is living in the moment, but with expectations, we're always looking forward for something specific. And if we let go of those, like, and just experience what's going on right now, there's something so much bigger. Part of his name, part of What's defined as God, and we looked at that Isaiah prophecy of like he will be called these things. Another one, Emmanuel, is God with us. Maybe it's just that he's with you. Is that enough? He's walking with you. There's an immense amount of peace available at any moment if you just give in and rest and take it instead of getting built up into something else. Like just letting it go and grabbing onto, man, God is with me right now. Where's that going to go? How's it going to take me? Can I feel that? Not that God's a feeling, but when I've needed to just chill and feel that sense of peace, and I just stilled the mind and went there and just thought, even just said that dumb sentence, God is with me right now, over and over and over and over again. And I only say it's dumb because it sounds simple and too easy, but he's been there. He's shown up and it's been like, man, I've, I sense that peace. This is cool. Like, this is not bad at all. Seasons come and go. They pass us by fast. I'll be putting up the tree soon. And before you know it, I'll be like, I really got to take it down. Like, all those decorations, put them away again. Like, all right. But did I enjoy it? Did I appreciate it? Did I celebrate it? Did I soak it up or did I let it pass by? I think we have this on purpose in our calendar because we need this filling this time of year. So let's grab it. Again, let's hold hope with hands open. Not clutching on to something prescribed, but to just be like, something's going to show up and something's going to fill these hands. And that's something that's going to be way different than I thought it was going to be. But if I'm looking and if I'm open and if I can accept and receive that, it's going to be amazing. And it's seeing and looking for more of God in and around you. What kind of charity is showing up in your heart that wasn't there last year? It's a bigger reflection of God. What kind of Love for someone who's different or, I, I don't know, what's, what's going on that causes us to be more like him? Where do we see that? Can we get excited? Can we point it out when we see it in someone else? Like, man, I'm seeing so much more peace than I usually see with you. You're usually freaking out during the holiday season, yet whoever you are, I'm seeing that you're relaxed and you're enjoying this and you're laughing more and having fun. I want to pretty much end here with one more Isaiah. This is that chapter 10 that we just started kicking into, but I want us to listen to this. Oh, I guess I didn't put it on there. And think about what he's saying. Again, it says, The Lord, the Eternal, will protect you. He will wield an axe and cut down the brushy undergrowth of the forest, even the cedars of Lebanon. Oh, I know, I'm reading the whole thing. Um, The cedars of Lebanon will fall before the mighty ones blow. But on this humbled ground, a tiny shoot, hopeful and promising, will sprout from Jesse's stump. A branch will emerge from his roots to bear fruit. And on 
this child from David's line. The spirit of the eternal will alight and rest. By the spirit of wisdom and discernment, he will shine like the dew. By the spirit of counsel and strength, he will judge fairly and act courageously. By the spirit of knowledge and reverence of the eternal one, he will take pleasure in honoring the eternal. He will determine fairness and equity. He will consider more than what meets the eye and weigh in more than what he's told. So that even those who can't afford a good defense will nevertheless get a fair and equitable judgment. With a just word, he will end wickedness and abolish oppression. With nothing more than the breath of his mouth, he will destroy evil. He will clothe himself with righteousness and truth. The impulse to right wrongs will be in his blood. This is the Jesus we build hope for seeing more of. It's not even a coming back anymore. He's with us. He says, it's better I go because my spirit can rest on every single one of you. He's in us. He's with us. He's here. We read stories about an anticipation of when he was gone, when there was a void of the Spirit of God at all moments and this looking for when it will be here. And we live in the days of when it's with us at all times. This equitable, loving, just, kind, healing image of the divine that we get to reflect to others around us. This is what we stir ourselves up in together this season. As a community, I'm sorry, I'm flipped around there. Bloom needs to be a place that just oozes that hope during this season. We need to spend an hour before church just getting ready to be like, man, I want to be a, the biggest hug to someone who shows up this week. Because for God to show up here and be this hope and us to be this place that oozes, it's going to be us reflecting that. It's going to be those hugs. It's going to be those like, man, it's so good to see you. It's Nikki wearing a tie because she thought Gil would be here and knew that Gil likes ties at church. And she did it just for him. And she tried to get a bunch of the rest of us to do it, but we forgot. And then Johnny's under the weather today, and so Gil didn't make it. It's that kind of little stuff that doesn't seem like it's something, but it builds hope. It oozes something more. We get to be that every Sunday. But it's also got to be a place to be safe, to mourn, and to wrestle, and to doubt. To be like, man, I thought he was going to show up and look differently and be like, man, I was there too. It's okay. Where is he here? He is around us. Because the two go hand in hand and do a race and just be like, let's just pretend and put on a smile and not talk about the doubt would miss so much of this story. And Luke starts the story of this Jesus who's coming by people putting fantastic expectations out there and being led a little differently, being disappointed, being, having God show up and having him being different, but having it being better. He will clothe himself with righteousness and truth and the impulse to right wrongs, to heal this world is in his blood, in his DNA, is in our DNA. Let's pray and then we'll talk about this together. Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity to start to celebrate this season. Uh, we just ask that each and every one of us in unique and special in little tie-bearing ways would sense your goodness and your love, your peace and your joy, that we would find ways to stir this on the inside of us. We would find ways to pass it to one another. This contagious hope and joy and peace that you usher in. 
Help us to find these ways. Help us to see these truths. Help us to identify ways that we're holding on too tight to an expectation that we need to let go of. And we need to feel and sense the freedom of letting go of things needing to look a certain way or you needing to show up a certain way. And we just thank you that when we do that and as we do it together today, this communal letting go of wrong expectations, that we would be filled with the sense of your goodness and joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.